Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to the podcast, The Science of Pokemon, episode one, Into the Wings. I'm your host, veteran Lucas, and with me is Professor Collins. How are we doing today, Professor? We're great. Awesome, awesome. Now, before we get any further, we should probably introduce ourselves. My name is Veteran Lucas, a.k.a. I am the Waylord. Um, a little bit about myself. I have a background as an educator that works at both zoos and aquariums, teaching people of all ages about different animals, from anything from giraffes to stingrays to whatever they want to know about. Um, I got started into this career because Pokemon taught me to love science since my parents really weren't the type to teach me about science. Um, over time, that grew into a love of animal biology, and later, I talk about Pokemon in a scientific format to guests, especially younger children, to get them more interested in nature as well as the rest of the natural world. I've been playing Pokemon since Yellow, and since then I've owned at least one game from every generation, and no one has really beaten me ever since I was 14. Well, I will have to take that challenge. I am Professor Collins, a.k.a. Tandemon, um, and I actually i am an educator, um, and my original background before going into education was cognitive psychology. Um, so I'm going into this because I actually have the opposite of veteran Lucas here. I was raised by a chemist, and I was taught the value of science from a very young age. Uh, we respect science in our home, and with my young daughter, we value science and nature, and we've been zoo membership holders for years now. Um, I do consider myself a professional learner. I have over eight years of college under my belt. I have multiple degrees and licenses, and because of that, I enjoy learning new things and taking on new tasks. I've played Pokemon since 1999 when I got a copy of Red and have never looked back. All right. Now, a lot of people wonder, well, wait a minute, what another Pokemon podcast on the internet? Come on, these are a dime a dozen. Well, for us, we wanted to do this not just to talk about the games themselves, but to explain the, the physical, chemical, biological, and even the social sciences of the Pokemon world. Yes. So we're not experts on every topic. So we will always reach out to those who are when we have questions. We want to build knowledge together because we are smarter together than we are on our own. Agreed. Now, our goal isn't to ruin the game for anybody. Our goal is actually to inspire people, to take the people who have been inspired by these games for over 20 years and show them that just because it's a fun game doesn't mean you can't learn a lot from it and that that knowledge you learn can go to other facets in your daily life. So we want to talk about the sciences as they apply to our world and debunk what could and couldn't work in the Pokemon world, following scientific laws as we know them. We also want to find the connections between the social sciences and religious beliefs and the way they manifest in the Pokemon world. So with that said, we're going to move on to the introduction credits. Cue the music! Alright, so now that we're here... Let's go ahead, uh, now that we're here, let's go ahead and talk about wings. Okay. What do you want to talk about? Chicken wings? No, no, no. Take it down, Professor. Maybe later. Maybe maybe after this. Uh, no, with wings, um, a lot of people, uh, we forget just how amazing an invention nature did, created when it comes to wings. Wings are some of the coolest things to ever come from the animal kingdom, and they come from all these different ways. They come from bugs, they come from birds, they come from other reptiles, they even come from mammals in at least one group with bats. But um, we got to go into a couple of different examples, and the first ones I want to talk about are the type of bird wings. These are the things that you're used to seeing all over the place, so most people are going to know at least one of these types of wings. So the first one I want to talk about are the slotted high lift wings. These are the wings that belong to things like eagles and vultures. These are the ones that will circle overhead looking for food, looking for prey, and they're going to be doing this for 
hours. They need to ride those thermals, and they are very big animals, so they have to be able to keep themselves up off the ground using as little energy as possible. Next, you have the high aspect ratio wings. These are from seagulls. Uh, seagulls are going to be birds that ride thermals as well, but they also need to be able to beat and flap around wherever they need to go. Uh, because of that, they are almost like a little bit like like high lift wings light. And that means that they're able to surf the thermals as well as flap around. Uh, the next group of wings are from the elliptical wings. These are the wings that everybody knows about. And these are from the songbirds. These are from things like mockingbirds and cardinals and blue jays. And these ones aren't really meant for going that fast or that high. They're meant for maneuverability. These are meant for hovering in the air for a second. These are meant for going left and right as quickly as you can in order to move through and get to the food or get away from predators. And uh, finally, we have the wings that most people know, the high speed wings. Now, these are the ones that falcons have. These are the ones that swifts have. These are the ones that can keep a bird going at over 60 miles an hour as fast as it can to go in a straight line. Not the best at maneuverability but definitely perfect for getting it from point A to point B as fast as they can. So wait, what about Red Bull wings? <sighs> the lawsuit clearly says that Red Bull do not give you wings, sir. Believe it or not, that was a real lawsuit that happened. Well, I do believe Oh, it. sadly, me too. All right. All right, so let's talk about birds. Yeah, let's talk about some birds. All right, so would you like to know about one that's terrifying or one that's huge? Let's do terrifying. Ooh, terrifying. All right, so what do you know about New Zealand? Um, I know Flight of the Concords is from there. Ooh, really? Fun fact. Didn't know that. Uh, well, besides Flight of the Concords, there was another bird that took flight, and that was the haste eagle, the largest predatory bird to ever exist on this planet. Now, it lived in New Zealand and had about a 10-foot wingspan, and it loved to hunt the most delicious food you could possibly imagine, Papayas. the moa. No, not, not not papayas. It's it's the moa. Okay. The elephant bird. Got it. Okay, so the elephant bird was about 500 pounds of just feathers, meat, and it. it I'll, I'll be honest. I'm drooling a little bit. It, it was probably KFC would like pay for that. KFC would sell out every one of its employees in order to get that. Wow. So tell us a little more about this this eagle, this massive eagle. So the haste eagle was around up until the 1400s, and it would feed on the moas that were on the island. Um, its wingspan was a little bit smaller than that of some of the uh, other birds of prey out there compared to its body size because it had to go through the tree lines. Um, anyone who's watched Lord of the Rings can tell you that New Zealand has lots of trees and lots of forests, and being able to go after the moa in that habitat means you had to adapt a little bit. Now, Sadly, it went extinct in the 1400s because its food source, the moa, went extinct as well. It ran out of its food source. Uh, what do you think took out the moa? Take a guess at what was at the island in the 1400s. Well, I'm going to say any time an animal disappeared recently in history, it is humans. Oh, ding, ding, ding. Gold star for you, Professor. Yes. Uh, yes, it was people. Uh, people moved on to the island of New Zealand around the 1400s, and that's when it really started to take an effect on those animals. So sadly, we don't have them anymore. Okay. So, yeah, let's go to the biggest bird, the one you didn't pick. So let's go back a uh, measly 25 million years ago. That is where you're going to find Pelagornis sandersi, also what I call the giant terrifying albatross bird. That is on the spelling test, kids. 
It is. Yes, it is. You better. You better write that down. You better get it right, or we are just going to keep talking about it. <laughs> now, <laughs> this bird was, um, like I said, is a giant albatross. Now, the normal albatross, which is effectively a super seagull, has about an 11 foot wingspan. It's a pretty big bird, and they can fly for literally days on the ocean thermals. But the albatross I'm talking about had a 24 foot wingspan. It was a massive animal. There are actually some that hang in museums uh, throughout the world because it was such a unique find. It was first categorized in 2014, and it has been a very interesting bird to study because okay. of its um, appearance. Uh, go ahead and look it up, Professor. Go, go ahead. Everyone at home, go ahead and look up what this bird looks like. I'll wait. Oh, my God. Those teeth are terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, this this bird has teeth. Well, pseudo-teeth. They get the job done, but they don't have the same enamel as our teeth. But, yes, it is a bird with teeth. Oh, yeah, terrifying. Yeah, no, not a pretty birdie. Not a pretty birdie. <laughs> so we talk a lot about birds when it comes to flight. Like, this whole thing's evolved with birds, 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 birds. But I want to take a brief segue into insects. Uh, insects were the first pioneers of flight. They were the first ones to figure it out. And um, it's very funny because you think about it. Imagine all the hard work the vertebrates had to do to climb out of the water and go, all right, I'm finally out of the water. I'm finally going to get that grasshopper. And then all of a sudden the grasshopper flies away. Oh, must have been frustrating. That's pretty... That is pretty much the life of the vertebrates when they first started out. So the insects picked up different ways of flight than the vertebrates did. Uh, one of my favorite is that of the bumblebee. Um, even by insect standards, they break the rules. You see, in most flying things, the smaller you are, the faster your wing beats are because you need to have more of a wing beat to keep your smaller body up than a bigger animal that doesn't need to move as much. Now, for the little tiny mosquitoes and the little bugs, they can move at about 200 beats a second with their wings. That's very, very fast. But for bumblebees, even though they're bigger and they're bulkier animals, they can move their wings at 230 times a second. So with that speed, um, with that power, uh, scientists believe they did this because when you're a bumblebee, you're not just carrying yourself. You're carrying half your weight in pollen. You're carrying maybe a grub or two around. You're moving around a lot more. So you need that extra strength in order to keep moving. Luckily, they feed on honey, which is a high sugar diet. So that's going to be really good for all that energy. So I should eat more sugar. Uh, yes, you should eat more sugar. But children listening, we do not contone only sugar. You should mix in some meats and high fats as well for a nice uneven diet. <laughs> now, uh, with bees as well and with other insects, they change the rules again on flying. Um, instead of beating their wings up and down like we imagine all things fly, uh, with bumblebees, they move theirs forward and backwards. So that forward and backwards motion, instead of just creating an updraft to get them up, what it does is it allows them to create a low-pressure area right underneath their wings that allows them to almost uh, float in midair. It's magic. It, well, actually, that's what a lot of people thought. There were people who believed that, well, you can't explain bumblebees, so it's clearly magic. Well, now we explained it. It's science. Checkmate. <laughs> because science. Because science. We don't have that copyright, right. so we might get sued. <laughs> we might get sued, but not today. All right. <laughs> so, what else, so what else do we have here, then? Well, we've talked about scary birds, we've talked about bugs, we've talked about just birds in general and insects, but we didn't talk about reptiles. Um, reptiles were also capable of flight a long time ago with the pterosaurs, which were with the dinosaurs, but not quite. They were, they were very close. 
But we're going to talk about the biggest thing that ever flew, and its name is. Do you got, are you ready, Professor? Do you have your pen ready? I do. Quetzalcoatlus. I don't know what comes next. Wait, wait, <laughs> no, okay. I know this thing. It's the uh, that Aztec snake god. Aztec snake god is the correct oh, answer. Yes. Uh, but yes, it is based off the Aztec snake god because that's where they found it around the area where the Aztecs lived. Um, this was effectively the biggest flying thing that ever existed on this planet. Quetzalcoatlus was this massive pterosaur with a 10 meter wingspan. Now, for those of you who don't know meters, uh, one meter is about three feet and change. So if you multiply that by 10, eventually you get a wingspan of about 35 to 40 feet long. Okay. It was huge. Not something you want to hang out Really with. not. In fact, there's a lovely piece of artwork on the internet where it shows a little person standing next to Quetzalcoatlus, standing next to a giraffe. You know what? I, I take it back. I, I think we have we have a, a statue of one of these at the, uh, the Toledo Zoo in Ohio. Really? Yeah, I remember it now. I had to think about it. My wife and I saw it, um, I think last summer, actually. Yeah, this thing's massive. Oh, yeah. It stayed at eye level with a 16-foot-tall giraffe. And I've worked with giraffes in the past. They are massive. They are strong. They are heavy. Um, they weigh almost a ton in some cases. But for Quetzalcoatlus, he only weighed about 400 pounds, which is very, very light for something that size. Um, because of that, though, people wonder how it even got off the ground to begin with. Uh, some people debate it jumped off cliffs. Some people debated that it simply just tried to get out of the air as fast as it can by beating its wings as fast as it needed to. Um, one scientist suggested that it does almost like push-ups, like it pushes itself with its front limbs off the ground and then beats its wings as fast as it can, which is the opposite of what birds do. Birds will use their back legs to push themselves up and fly. That's why the wings, the um, the legs of the drumsticks of birds are so delicious. They're full of sweet, delicious muscle meat. All right. Well, I think we talked a lot of, enough about real birds, and I definitely want us to segue here. So we're gonna let's talk about some uh, flying Pokemon here and the use of their wings. Excellent. <laughs> All right, so let's segment into the actual Pokemon. That's what people are here to talk about. That's what people are here to learn about. Okay, so what Pokemon should we talk about? Hmm, let's see. Well, I want to talk about Pokemon that would that stick out as flying types. Uh, let's go Gen 1. Butterfree. Let's, let's talk about Butterfree. Okay. Right, so let's play a game. Let's play the, the Guess the Weight game. How much do you think a Butterfree weighs? Three pounds. A little bit more than that. A Butterfree actually weighs about 70.5 pounds and stands at three feet tall. Wait, didn't Ash catch him usually carry one? Oh, yeah. Ash is ripped. He may be a failure as a Pokemon trainer, but he is ripped beyond all reason for a 10-year-old. Okay. So tell us about Butterfree. Okay, so according to the Pokedex, Butterfree's wings are covered in poisonous powder that falls off continuously as this flies pretty dangerous for anybody to be around um it gathers honey even in the rain it will roam up to six miles from its nest there's a lot of things that are interesting about this pokemon but what's different is that as a bug it is just way 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 too heavy to take off the ground um the real life version of this animal is based off the black veined white butterfly this butterfly had a wingspan of like two to three inches. So this is a tiny little thing that they're magnifying. But the thing the game gets wrong is that just because you have big wings compared to what you would be when you're little 
doesn't mean it works the same when you magnify it up. You would have to buff off those wings a ridiculous amount to get Butterfree to even get close to getting off the ground. And you, that thing would have to really trim down on the weight. It's just too fat. It is too fat. It is about the size of a dog. Stop feeding your Butterfree's poffins, people. You are killing them, and you're lowering their self-conscious. Shame on you. All right, so that covers Butterfree. That's the one that always gets me with the weight. Now, let's talk about one that actually succeeds. Let's talk about Wingle. So we've already talked about albatrosses and seagulls, and i got to admit, I'm from Florida, so I know I, I have a soft spot for these little rats with wings. But with Wait, let me guess. Wait, let me guess. So Butterfree weighs 70 pounds. Wingle's 100. No, actually, Wingle is about... 20 pounds with a height of two feet so it, it is the size of a very fat albatross but it's still capable <laughs> okay. of flying <laughs> okay <laughs> so okay out, so out of all the um flying type pokemon this one is the only one that gets it right when it says in the pokedex its hollow bones enhance its lightness it spreads its wings to the wind and soars away into the sky that's from sun and moon the most scientifically accurate of the pokedex entries and it's awesome because all birds have this and yet for some reason they only mention it with wingle and it's so cool that they pretty much just put a seagull into the game they didn't really change anything <laughs> and it just said huh i'm bored want to put a seagull in pokemon in gen 3 i guess and they just made it really fat Got yeah they it. just made it fat and yet somehow it's still able to fly even in one of the pokedexes they mention how it takes things from people that's that's what seagulls do in nature we call them a kleptoparasites a kleptoparasite is an animal that steals from other animals in order to get more nutrients they're still not that smart i remember them trying to steal from my dog when we were a kid uh, oh no, they weren't. They're, they're smart. They're just also desperate. Uh, they they will take just about anything they can get. Now, with all this talk about um about flying with um birds and bugs and reptiles, we forgot the one group that still can fly in some cases or glide in others, and that is mammals. Uh, mammals are. It's not fish. It's it's not fish. Although they they do glide too, so we can talk about them another day. But for mammals, let's talk about Amolga, the um the flying squirrel Pokemon. Now this thing weighed about 11 pounds, and it's a foot tall. So it's a very very big flying squirrel. It's very very tall. It's not even fat. It's just big, and. Flying squirrels are not true flying animals. They're not. Um, they are gliders. Being a glider is a very different set of physics you're working with. You're working with keeping that airflow underneath you, and that's all you got. You are fighting with this airflow and gravity. Now, a lot of animals can glide. Even snakes can glide. Fish can glide. But uh, the flying squirrel is one of the most unique, mainly because it is, well, adorable. People love seeing these things fly. If you're from upstate, like you are, my man, you've probably seen a couple of them running around. Never. Really? <laughs> Never once, no. Well, you need to start looking up in trees more. They're, they're there. We have, we have, we actually have, uh, we have the black squirrel here. Oh, interesting. Uh, we have the brown squirrel down here. The gray squirrels as well down here. So I guess we're, we're missing uh, them. We used to have those. The black squirrels moved in from Ontario and killed them all. Oh, Shame on you, Canada. How dare you? Uh, now, <laughs> one of the cool things about gliding animals is that they are following one of the two theories of how flights started in vertebrates. There is the down-up theory, where people assume that animals learn to pick up and fly by beating their feathered arms to get up and catch, chase insects. Or you have the um, up down where the theory where these animals are going to jump from tree to tree down to go and catch different food so that's one of the original ways that we think 
animals learn to fly is by gliding and getting down to where they need to go. Okay. Uh, um, on a side note, um, one of the things they mentioned in the game is that it uses electricity to cook the berries and digest it. Now, honestly, squirrels cannot do that, but it's still really cool because that's how we evolved as people. Um, as people. So they are. Wait, so they're like cavemen then? They're cooking their food? Yeah, they're cooking their food. They are the pioneers of mammals evolving to fly. Who knows what they're going to evolve to in some point in time, when over time after humans are long gone or off on Mars somewhere doing awesome stuff. So you heard it here first. Emalga is not eating the paleo diet. Shame. Well, shocking. Put it on Lifetime. Get it for show. All right, you know what? I got one here. I'm actually excited because I have one that I want to do, and it's Dragonite. So Dragonite is 7 feet tall, and it is 460 pounds. Jesus. This thing is massive, and the Pokédex entry talks about it flying the globe once in 16 hours. So that's uh, traveling roughly at – it's like – it's – 1500 miles per hour which is faster than the sound barrier whoa um so it's essentially breaking the sound barrier so here's here's the thing we, we did the math and we're looking at i just want to give you a few ideas uh understanding of what type of energy and calorie intake dragonite would need for this so a boeing 747 uses one gallon of fuel for every second so over 10 hours that's three sorry that's 36,000 gallons of, of jet engine fuel. and So that's a high combustible substance. So what we're talking about is that the fact that Dragonite is maintaining this flight, the energy it would have to intake is extraordinary. So, so here's the thing. We're looking at a Pokemon that has a wingspan of approximately 6 feet, which is similar to just a bald eagle, which weighs essentially... I mean, we're talking essentially it's it's less than uh, a tenth. Yeah, isn't it like about here. 10 pounds? Yeah, bald eagles, I think mm. they're somewhere around 14. So here's the thing, though, and I want to talk about Dragonite because, as we said in the introduction, we're looking at not only social science but uh, religious and mythos as well. Dragonite actually has a very important reason for being in the game. And it's in stadium entry, it talks about it being the Sea Guardian. And so that made me go down a long path, and I wanted to look at where all this came from. And so Dragonite actually is probably based upon uh, mythos from uh, Japanese and Chinese cultures. Um, and so a lot of these Asian dragons, these ones that Dragonite would be based upon, um, are actually strongly associated with weather. And so they're, they are depicted as large wingless creatures. And so when we think about Dragonair and Dratini, we kind of get the idea where there's that running joke that maybe Dragonite, you know, either shouldn't have legs or shouldn't have wings. Um, and, you know, and it fits in this mythos because they're seen as the rulers of buys of water and waterfalls, uh, rivers and seas. And so Dragonite's entries talk a lot about it being a guardian of the sea. And even when we tie into Dragonair, Dragonair, um, as if you remember from the second movie, um, is known for affecting the weather. So I think this is kind of a cool thing here because what we see is that these old cultures and old beliefs depicted in the world of Pokemon, and a lot of that has to come with the fact that Dragon Knight is not just a normal Pokemon. As a pseudo-legendary, it almost has a mythos status that comes That's, along that with it. That is awesome. I, I love seeing the myths that they'll put into this, like the time and effort they do, not just the science, but also look into the myths. But then again, it's closer to their own cultures. And get the culture right. Yeah, they got it right. Yeah, and, well, and you know, and they get it right, and that's the thing that I like the most, is when we look at these a lot of these myths, what we see is they genuinely invested time to not only understand them, 
but to find a ways to make that belief fit in their world. Oh, that's awesome. I, lo- I love it. So wrap idea. it up here. What Pokemon we got last? I'm excited. Okay, so after looking through over 800 Pokemon, all the flying types, I have found the one Pokemon that is a flying type that does not deserve to fly. And oh, oh, I know what it is. What is it? What is it? It's Butterfree. You just taught me that. Okay, well, at least Butterfree has wings. No, this one <laughs> is Tropius. This... Tropius. Tropius. Thank you. Thank you for the grammar lesson. Uh, Tropius, <laughs> the fruit Pokemon, 220.5 pounds and 6 feet tall. This Pokemon is known for children eating the fruits off its neck because they are sweet and delicious. Mm. But Tropius flies by, and I'm quoting here, this Pokemon flies by flapping the leaves on its back as if they were wings. I want to quote that, as if they were wings. They are not wings. This animal, this creature, is literally flying by the power of beating banana leaves. <laughs> so, so they would, they would essentially just break, right? It wouldn't even just break. Like the only thing this thing would do by beating its leaves would provide a smooth breeze. If you were trying to make a Pokemon to fan you, that's gonna be a fantastic Pokemon to do it with. It's got those beautiful wings. They're excellent. Um, I've once cooked fish in banana leaves before, so they're very useful for a lot of things. <laughs> Can. <laughs> can can we take? I mean, because this essentially is the build of of many football players, uh, two hundred twenty pounds, you know, six feet. Mm-hmm. Um, can we take football players and give them like banana tree leaves and see what happens? I mean, the Browns up here aren't very good anyways, so I mean, I think it'd be a good experiment. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm I'm with the Bucks, dude. So you gotta really work hard and getting me to the bottom of the barrel here. Uh, here's the thing, though. I'll tell you what. If this podcast gets big enough, if we become MythBuster status, we will strap banana leaves to football players, and we will see just what happened. Worst comes to worst. Watch out, Cleveland Browns. <laughs> we found you a job that you actually might be good at. Oh, sport disc on a nerd podcast. Solid, solid. Yes. <laughs> but no, that yes. is the one flying type I wanted to talk about because, again, um, it's one of the things that a lot of video games make the mistake of. Just because you put something that has wings on it or wing-like structures in the case of these filthy banana leaves does not mean it can fly. I'm sorry. <laughs> so this is like the Looney Tunes um, paradox. Oh, yeah. Um, if we're talking Looney Tunes, Tropus would jump off a cliff, flap its fling wings, go nowhere, look down at the ground, go eep, and then you just watch it fall. Got it. He's Wiley Coyote. He is Wiley Coyote. <laughs> All right, so the, that wraps up all the Pokemon that I wanted to talk about. Um, now, before we get going for the day, we do have to wrap up. Time's of the essence. Um, uh, we want to. We are here to teach you guys. We are here to learn together as well. So if you have a suggestion or a show idea, if you want us to talk about a specific Pokemon, a specific idea in Pokemon um, that you didn't hear on today's show or you want to hear later, let us know. Um, email us at pokescience at yahoo.com, and we'll be more than glad. I'll read them over. I'll discuss it with my man, the professor, and we'll be able to come up with an episode that fits that in. We want to help you guys, and we want to hear what you have to say. So while the science of Pokemon is always great and interesting when we apply it to the real world, it's vital to remember that this is a game designed for children. And it's more important that we enjoy the game for what it is than to get hung up on the details. 
yeah, it's important to just have fun with it. It's fun to delve into it, but if you get to the point where like, oh my gosh, this game isn't real, Tropas can't fly, I'm never playing again. That, that, that's not what we want. We want you guys to have fun, but you know, poke a little fun at it and learn something new. Hopefully you learned a bit more about flying. Hopefully you learned a bit more about how these animals go wherever they need to. It, it's really cool that we get a chance to do this. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in. We appreciate you joining us and we hope to hear you back. Hope, hope to have you back next time we certainly do thanks so much everybody have a great rest of your day or evening we'll see you again next time bye-bye